You're listening to the Harvest Christian Fellowship Weekend Message Podcast. To learn more about our community, like what we believe and how you can take a next step, visit us online at hcfcornwall.ca or join us for one of our services this weekend, Sunday mornings at 9.15 or 11 here at 847 York Street. when do you call me Roy? (laughs) It's my son, Aaron, the best cheerleader. Man, how are you doing this morning? I have seen the uh, Christmas story in its entirety twice. Um, It really is. It's unbelievable. I can't describe it to you. If I spent the rest of the time getting your expectation up, you won't be disappointed. Make sure to tune in tonight. It will be on demand. It'll be fun, though, to watch it all together. And uh, it's something you'll want to share with friends and family. And there's an opportunity uh, for the gospel at the end of it as well. So, um, hey, I was had a couple of pastors um, in the region that I've been interacting with. And in the last two weeks, uh, two pastors just expressing to me uh, how little volunteers that they have at their church. And so just the taxing time and how difficult it is to do church online and all of these different things. And uh, inside, I just thought, Lord, we are so blessed at Harvest. Uh, all of the volunteers, all of you that are in green shirts today, all of you that are signing up for Kids Church, all of you that are making production happen, would you just put your hands together and thank all of our volunteers that make this happen? If you're online, put your hands together. <laughs> oh, man. Thank you. I just want to say how proud I am of our church and of all of the work that's being done. Uh, We have one more opportunity just want to share with you. We're going to be doing virtual small groups in January. Our theme in January is always fasting and prayer, and we're going to do that again this year, give our first of the year to the Lord. And uh, we're going to focus in on retrofit your prayer life, and we want to just uh, walk through uh, some of the keys of of making your prayer life more exciting, more powerful, and we'll be sharing that with you, and along uh, through that, there's uh, an opportunity for fasting as well. But if you have been a, a small group leader, we've contacted you. We need you just to get back to us as soon as possible as to whether or not you could do um, this, help us out this way, to host a virtual small group for eight weeks uh, in January and February, a short semester as we talk about, uh, talk about prayer. Retrofit your finances, part two. Here we go. Uh, I know that when I talk about finances, it gets quiet in the room. You can still laugh at my corny jokes, and uh, let's not be awkward. Uh, and uh, the spirit here at Harvest, we're not going to compel anybody or guilt you uh, into uh, parting with what, what's in your wallet. But as I shared last week, I want to stir your heart. That's my job. As Moses and the people's hearts were stirred, their hearts became willing, I want to share with you these supernatural principles of when you have faith in the area of finances, God can bless you. God will bless you. Many in the room have experienced this. God is blessing you now, even in this difficult time. So last week, we looked at the story of the Exodus, which is Israel's exit from Egypt. The slaves had nothing at all, and yet when God brought them out of Egypt, he said, I'm going to fill your hands. Say, hands full. He wants to fill our hands. Exodus 3.21, and it shall be that when you go, you'll not go empty-handed. You shall plunder the Egyptians. 
It's interesting, though. God takes them to a place in the wilderness where they can't spend their money. They have buckets full, suitcases full. They have animal pack animals full of silver, gold, and Louis Vuitton uh, coming out their ears and no place to spend it in the wilderness. And God wants to teach them something, and he wants to teach us something as we look at these scriptures, that money does not supply our need. God supplies our need. And so they had money but no way to supply their need of food and water and protection in the wilderness. And they were learning uh, to trust God uh, for that. And yet they had this opportunity to be human, and they were, and we do uh, as well. And they took their money that they had, and they formed a calf, and they said, we're going to worship this calf. This, uh, the ox was a symbol in the Egyptian uh, economy uh, of, uh, the God of the God of strength. And they said, the God of strength brought us this far, and ultimately they're saying our money got us free. Our money got us out of Egypt. Well, God corrects that with them, and Moses corrects that with them, and we see a picture of a loving, merciful, forgiving God that resets them and begins to talk to them again about uh, their finances and uh, the opportunity to put their finances into the house of God, to put the house of God first and foremost into everything they did, and when that would happen, God would increase them. Exodus thirty-five twenty. so the whole community of Israel left Moses, returned to their tents, and they went looking in their suitcases for the things they'd brought out of Egypt. Their hearts were stirred. Their spirits were moved. And that's my job today. I want to stir your heart, move your spirit to see how powerful giving can be as we are recipients of God's supernatural economy, which is different than the world's economy. Look at this now. Their hearts were moved and stirred, and they brought their sacred offering to the Lord. This was Egyptian currency, Egyptian gold, Egyptian silver. It was the, it was the money of the world, let's just say it that way, and yet now it became sacred. Literally, they set it aside for God. They set it aside for God. We'll come back to that idea in a moment. God renews his covenant with them about uh, power and miracles and provision, and everybody's going to see how awesome and great God is to them. And uh, what we see is their willing heart, their open heart, engaged with the promise of God. And when those two things happen, we've been learning about faith, that when we trust in the promise of God, We trust that God's capacity to fulfill that promise, and we know his character is that he is a promise-keeping God. We sang Waymaker this morning. He can make a way where there's no way. As we were singing that, I I just sensed in my own heart today that God wants to do a work today in the area of people's minds. I just feel like uh, there's some people that have been really suffering uh, with lack of sleep uh, at night. And, um, and And the Bible refers to when our minds are preoccupied, and we're fighting to get clarity of mind, we call that torment. And the Bible's clear that God is the God who delivers us from torment at whatever level. So I believe there's some people here suffering uh, just with sleeplessness. It is wearing on you. Uh, You're like, if I don't get a good night's sleep, can I tell you, you trust God tonight and the next night and the night after that. I believe we're going to have some testimonies about sleep and deep sleep and restful sleep. Uh, I hear the word anxiety, and I see it shattering like glass, that anxiety is breaking, worry is breaking. I just feel like there's a lot of these areas in the torment of the mind uh, that God is just dealing with. I feel like there's some students here today 
uh, some kids, uh, as you're working online or in the classroom or you're being homeschooled, I feel like there's some kids that you're just really having a tough time. And you sense the expectation, uh, I got to do good, I've got to do good. And it's and maybe it's a mom and dad hearing this for a child, um, but that child is really struggling and like they're, they're crying, uh, they're upset about their class. Uh, maybe it's math, uh, I think it's math, but it could be a bunch of subjects. And I just feel like, mom, dad, just place your hand on your, on your student and command clarity of mind. Uh, pray that their brain cells will activate like never before. I believe we're going to hear some testimonies of kids' grades going from one to two above. And if they were already an A, uh, they're just going to have an A without anxiety. All right? So I just feel like God's doing some of those things. The God of power. Yeah, go ahead and thank the Lord for that. But don't just thank him. I, we need the testimonies, all right? We need to uphold those stories and stir faith. So willing hearts responding to the promise of God. So God wants us to learn. I'm going to continue this morning. God wants us to learn that you can have finances in your hand and God in your heart. And that's the order. you got to have it that way. God in your heart, finances in your hand. Father, I just pray as we look at Retrofit, your finances, part two, we kind of finish the series that you began this summer of stirring our hearts to believe you. Moses said, we will not go from this place unless your presence goes with us, unless the supernatural enablement of the Holy Spirit is with us for us. Lord, we are that people. We trust in you today. Lord, in what sometimes is very difficult to trust you with finances, I pray hearts stirred today, minds open to what you are saying in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. I want to unpack Luke chapter 16. We just began it last week. I want to unpack this for you uh, this morning. If you're online, you can download those notes. And I'm so glad you're with us online this morning. Bless you. Uh, and uh, some of you have been in the room. I've gotten to give you a, a chicken chicken elbow. And uh, whatever we've been able to do. But if I haven't had a chance, uh, would you just uh, take time in the box today, greet me, and I, I'll look today, and I want to greet you as well personally. I say to you, this is Jesus speaking, and it's about in the context of provision, make friends for yourself by unrighteous mammon, that when you fail, you may receive, uh, they may receive you into everlasting home. He was faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he was unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you've not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to you uh, into your trust true riches? If you've not been faithful in what is another man's, what belongs to another man? Who will give you what is your own? No servant can serve two masters. For either he'll hate the one and love the other, or he'll be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Let me unpack this for you. Uh, I want to talk to you. We're talking about uh, giving today, retrofitting your faith for finances. Uh, God has a way to do that. I want to share it with you. And so as we look at this scripture, it begins talking about uh, making friends for yourself, getting to know people uh, by unrighteous mammon. And Jesus, in some of your translations in your Bible, it says money. It says money, uh, but that's not a great translation because Jesus specifically uses the word mammon. Say mammon. Mammon was the Syrian god of wealth. 
What we're going to see today that regardless if it's Egyptian, the Egyptian god of wealth and a calf, or a Syrian god of wealth called Mammon, or the world's system of economy called greed, and whatever it might be today, Jesus is identifying not money, but he's identifying a spirit that occupies and takes its place uh, around this concept of money. So he says, make friends for yourself by unrighteous mammon, that when you fail, when you die, they may receive you into an everlasting home. I saw a post just this week of a Cuban church, one of the churches that we support, uh, was able to meet again. Uh, they've not been unable to meet, like uh, different parts of Canada, uh, kind of ebbing and flowing with uh, places of worship. And they had their first meeting, and they were, they were celebrating that. And uh, specifically worshiping together, God's presence was in their midst. And uh, I thought about as we, uh, as a church, uh, we give missions money, and we help support many, many, many churches in Cuba. I thought about this scripture because what it's saying is when you give to the house of God and that money is sent to Cuba and that pastor can do something with those finances, that someone hears the gospel and puts their hand up at the end of a service or texts it in at the end of a service and says, I want to be a Christ follower. And eternal life is given to them. The Bible says that one day they'll know that you were the one that gave and when you step through the gates of heaven, there's going to be a parade, a ticket tape parade, and man, the confetti's going, and they're going to be going, thank you, thank you, thank you, I'm here because you gave, thank you. And you made friends, you will have relationship in heaven with people that were the recipients of unrighteous mammon, unrighteous mammon, the, the money of this age that was redeemed for the purposes of God. Say redeemed. I'm going to use that word again because we understand this and unpack this. He was faithful in what is least, is also faithful in much. You say, Pastor Roy, I don't have enough of whatever that mammon stuff is, money, whatever. I don't have enough of that to really worry about it. And that's the point. And that's what I want to share with you. And that's why I preach about finances. And that's why, as a church, we believe in this and have believed in it all these years. And we've watched God do financial miracles for us as a church and for people as individuals. He is, uh, he is faithful. in the, Even if you're holding the least today, <laughs> you've got the least amount today. If you're faithful with it, whether you have much or little, God is saying, be faithful with that. He who is unjust with what is least is also unjust in much. Therefore, if you've not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to you true riches? True riches is not more stuff. Unfortunately, there have been people that have really leaned into the greed of, of the human heart and taught giving that if you will give, God will give you, you know, gold rings and Rolexes and, and just push this thing to a, a point of the ridiculous and actually stirred people's heart in the area of greed using the scriptures to get stuff. And somehow say that's true riches, more. If you have more, then you have true riches. No, the Bible is teaching here that true riches is people. The true riches of God's heart is people. This is all about people. And as God, as God under, as we make that connection, God says, if I can trust you with finances, I'll increase you in the area of finances for the sake of people. Um, if, you've been, if you've not been faithful with, with what is another man's, with what belongs to somebody else, 
And that'll make sense in a moment. Being faithful with what belongs to God. We're going to see as we're faithful with what belongs to God, God will give you your own. He'll give you your own. You will increase. You will have your own stuff. But this isn't for the purpose of getting more stuff. This is for the purpose of understanding true riches. And as we increase, the kingdom of God can increase. No servant can serve two masters. He'll either hate one or love the other. And he's talking about a spirit that is on the financial system of the world and a spirit that is in the kingdom of God, two different spirits. And it involves money. It involves how we handle our money. The spirit of mammon or the God of Syria or the God of Egypt, a calf, an ox. What It doesn't matter. God is, uh, the scriptures are teaching, Jesus is saying, you must understand that there is a spiritual significance to finances. And if, you, if, 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 there, if, if the spirit of the world is not broken off your finances, that's the spirit of the world. You, you will end up by serving mammon. You'll serve money. Or you will serve God. Now, I want to point out that money in and of itself is not evil. Somebody says, well, I've read a scripture that says that that money is the root of all evil. No, it says the love, the love, the passion and the drive to get more is the root of all evil. Now, the love, the heart, when our heart is filled with love for God, then he can put finances in our hands because we've separated the hands and the heart. Now, I want to prove this to you, this idea that the spirit of mammon let's just call it that today because Jesus did, is alive and well on planet Earth, and it wants to lie to you and say, I'll be your provider. You just need more of me. You just need to get more of me. You just, you just, uh, if you have money, then you can get what you want and you'll be okay. Revelation chapter 13. Revelation 13 is talking about the end of the age and Satan's influence that's growing at the end of the age. By the way, by the way he loses. Uh, Jesus wins. The church wins. It always does. The scriptures are clear. From Genesis to Revelation, we win, but there is a battle. There is a war that we're in uh, along the way, and it's against evil. And God wants us to rise up in prayer, and we're going to learn about that, retrofit your prayer life, of how you can reverse the work of the enemy in your life and in the life of people around you and in the the world that we live in. And so it's talking about the influence of Satan, and Satan has a sidekick called the Antichrist. Now, some of you get really excited because you love end-time stuff and you read about end-time stuff, and I really wish you wouldn't because... There's so much, as much conspiracy theory as there is about all the COVID stuff that's going on, and wherever you find yourself in that, I'm not speaking to that today. Um, but there are a lot of people that kind of, as they look at the end of the age, and this word antichrist means something. And, and especially in the United States, uh, in the Bible Belt, uh, some thought it was Obama because he must have been a Muslim that was disguising himself as a Christian president. And people have had all kinds of theories down through the age. And, and so... We're not even sure from Scripture if the Antichrist is a literal person. It, he may be. He may be. And so let's just put that aside. I don't want to get into eschatology, but I want to reference the person or the spirit, <clears throat> and it's more a spirit that I want you to see, that is active on the earth today. Here it is in Revelation 16, 13, 16. He required everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave. So every social economic class, everybody, doesn't matter what social economic class you're from, 
He's going to require you to be given a mark on the right hand or on the forehead. And some of you will know, you know, the mark of the beast or the mark of the Antichrist. Is it a literal mark? People have been protecting themselves from microchipping uh, or the idea of it because they're sure that's what it is. And, and uh, we have lots of guesses. And, again, let's just put that aside for a moment and stay. Just look at the essence of what the Scripture is saying. The hand, aren't we filling the hands with finances? Isn't that what we're talking today, not being empty-handed? Come on, somebody, work with me here. Yeah? So a mark on the hand and a mark on the head, how we think about this. A mark on the hand and a mark on the head. The Antichrist wants you marked, marked, and no one could buy or sell anything without the mark, which was either, which was the name of the beast and the number representing his name. So just without all of the stuff that people kind of think about when they think about this, just track with me in the simplicity of this, a mark on the head, a mark on the hand. And if you don't have, if you're not marked by the Antichrist, the spirit of the world's economy and commerce you will not buy and sell, he is the only one who can provide for you at the end of the age. Do you see, what I, do you see it? I have to go back and do it again if you don't shake your head up and down and go, yes, I see it. Oh, good, you see it. All right, good. The spirit of this world wants to control your buying and your selling. It wants to control your provision. So if you serve mammon and trust mammon to provide for you, or you will serve God and trust God to provide for you. Now let's go back to the Exodus. Let's go back to Exodus for a minute. And when God made that promise, I'm making a covenant with you, perform miracles for you, never been seen anywhere on the earth, you'll see the power of God, the provision of God. Listen to the, how the, uh, the uh, Living Bible says this. The Lord replied, all right, this is the contract I'm going to make with you. Your part of the agreement, we know his part of the agreement, your part of the agreement is to obey all my commandments. Fair enough. We serve God. We're entering into this contract, so to speak, with God. And God says there is something that's your end of the contract. If you were signing a contract, you would put, listen now, you got to get this. You would put your mark on the contract, which is a signature. But if you didn't have ability to uh, have a signature to identify you, you'd put your mark. Say mark. God has put his mark on this contract. His mark is he is the God of provision. He's the God of the supernatural. He's the God who set the Israelites free. He put stuff in their hand. He was teaching them. He's teaching you. He's teaching I. He's saying, look, I've put my mark on you. Don't let the Antichrist or the spirit of this world put his mark on you. Take the mark of God into your heart, the mark of God's contract, and say, I'm entering into that contract. I'm not entering into the world's contract. It really boils down to that. Entering into the contract, entering into the mark, the signature, the signage of this agreement. So God actually has four or five things in that context of Exodus, because I want you to see it is the redemption story. Finances is in the redemption story. He says this in Exodus 34. The first offspring of every womb belongs to me, including all the firstborn males of your livestock, whether from herd or flock. Redeem the firstborn donkey with a lamb. But if you don't redeem it, break its neck. Redeem all your firstborn sons. No one is to appear before me empty 
hand do? See, there's, here's, the, here's the place where the hands get filled. Here's the capacity where we can continue coming to God over and over and over again with our hands full. God's not looking for your stuff. He's, he, he doesn't need your stuff. He's the one who put the stuff in your hands in the first place, and he's saying to keep this reciprocating so that your hands never go empty. You will appear before me over and over and over in the area of giving, but your hands will never be empty. It's a promise. You'll always have something to give me, and I will replenish. How does it work? He says, if you have a sheep, it's farming language, if you have a sheep, the first lamb belongs to God. The first belongs to God. The first belongs to God. So your sheep has their first lamb, and you go, God, God wants this one? Yeah, the first one. The God wants the first. In fact, it belongs to him. It doesn't belong to us. It belongs to him. And then the rest are ours. Remember Jesus said, be faithful with what belongs to another man, and then you'll get your own. But this first one is God's, because I was hoping that the first one would pay the vet bill. And I was kind of hoping that the second one would pay the hydro in the barn because I have a lot of sheep. And I was kind of hoping that the third one would pay uh, uh, for all of the feed that we need. And I was hoping that the fifth one would, God said, no, 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 I want the first one. Say first. First belongs to God. If I could have the team come up. The first belongs to God. And then he throws in this other thing about a lamb can redeem a donkey. And without going into it all, there were clean animals and unclean animals. Clean animals could be given to God. Unclean animals could not be given to God. And why the donkey got chosen as an unclean animal, poor donkey, I don't know. But it does have something to do with you can't eat a donkey or at least you shouldn't. And God said there are clean and unclean. Now, I want to ask you the question this morning. Before you met Jesus, were you clean or were you unclean? How many said you were unclean before you met Jesus? You are correct. The answer is unclean. And Jesus cleansed us, redeemed us, bought us back from slavery by the price of his blood on Calvary. Now watch how the redemption story is woven. The, un- the second thing we learn here is that the unclean is purchased or redeemed by the clean. First belongs to God, unclean is cleansed by the clean. What does that have to do with anything, Pastor Roy? John one twenty nine. Jesus is out for a walk with his disciples, and John the Baptist, it says this, the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now, I want to draw everything and draw it into, draw it into something for you this morning, and then we're going to shift gears and we're going to go home, but I need you to get this. Look, I need you to look. (laughs) Jesus was the Lamb of God, the firstborn Lamb. For God so loved the world that he gave, which son? His only son, so that everyone who believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus was the first. He was the first son, and the first belongs to God. And God gave his first so that there would be many, many other people, sons and daughters of God. God had no guarantee that when he gave his first that you or I would choose Jesus. There was a possibility that God would sacrifice his only son and give him for the redemption of the world, and not one person would have lined up. But God in faith 
knowing who he was, <laughs> said, I know how this is going to work. And God gave his first. The first belongs to God. Say first. The first lamb can cleanse. Romans says this, he chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. God had no guarantees, but he sacrificed the first. The clean redeems the unclean. When Israel gave that first lamb on that day, when they entered into the contract and put God's mark on their life, so we came out of Egypt. We, we tried the calf thing. We're not, do, we're not doing that one. We're going to enter into the promised land, and we're going to do the land of blessing. We're going to do that by obeying what God has said, and we're going to give him the first. And the first belongs to God. And the clean cleanses the unclean. And every time they did it, they told the redemption story. Every time they sacrificed that first lamb and gave it to God, they told a redemption story. Every time an unclean donkey was cleansed, they told a redemption story, not even understanding what they were doing. And on the day when John the Baptist saw the lamb, the lamb, Jesus, he said, this is the story they've been telling down through the ages. He's the lamb. He's the one. Now listen, when I stir your heart to believe for finances. And I say, would you, I want to invite you into this realm of giving to God. I'm inviting you to bring your offerings and your tithes to continue telling the story of redemption, that the first belongs to God and the clean takes care of the unclean. And every time we, now we don't have lambs, but we have our first, the first belongs to God, the clean redeems the unclean. Proverbs says this, Honor God with everything you own. Give Him the first and the best. Your barns will burst. Your wine vats will brim over. The promise, His mark, our mark. We honor Him and we honor the redemption story when we honor Him with our giving. The same as the Israelites. The same as everyone who's come before us and until Jesus returns, all that will come after us. Understanding that we honor the story by giving our first and giving our best to God. Israelite's father's name was changed to Israel, but it was Jacob. And Jacob one day had this interaction with God. We've looked at it many times. And as he saw the stairway to heaven, the story of redemption unfolded and the invitation to eternal life in a way that he could understand and in a way as we look back, we understand. He woke from his sleep and it says this in Genesis 28, 20, 22. And Jacob made this vow. He made a vow. He put his mark where God's mark was. If God will indeed be with me and protect me on this journey and if he will provide me with food and clothing, he's saying if this is true, I want this. If this is true that the God of heaven is my provider and he will take care of me, I receive his mark. I receive the mark of God on my finances, on everything that I have. I will present to God a tenth of everything he gives me. A tenth, ten percent. We get the word tithe. And thus the word tithing by entering into the contract. Not a contract give to get, a relational understanding. God, I want your mark on my life. I want your mark on my finances. I don't want to serve mammon. I want to serve the God of heaven 
who provides. And the way I honor that is to give my first 10% of my income to God. Now remember, it's not just about giving and reaching in and going, oh, i got to give some of my money. No, that's, that's the economy of Egypt or mammon. But when I reach into my pocket and I give the first to God and what belongs to Him, there's a supernatural power. Remember the God who said, hey, I promise to do the miracle? Hey, I promise for expansion and multiplication? The unclean money of this system is cleansed by the 10% because the clean it's been given to God remember the sacred offering the sacred offering the mammon that sets people free in eternal life when I give it to God and it becomes clean the 90% and people can tell you all about this at harvest a miracle takes place where what's left over reproduces and I don't know how it happens because it won't add up with the math but it's a supernatural God who takes care of us I invite you, if your heart's been stirred like Jacob was of old, you'd wake up today and say, you know what, I sense God, and I've been at harvest for a while, I haven't been a giver. At harvest we say what the, what the scriptures say, give God a try. 2020, we're coming in, start the year fresh, and say, I, I want to I wanna check it out, I want to try it out and see if it works. Somebody might say, really? You can try it out? Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Malachi 3.10 says this. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so that there will be food enough in my temple. And if you do, I will open up the windows of heaven for you and pour out a blessing so great you won't have room enough to take it in. And then it finishes with this. Try it and let me, God speaking, let me prove it to you. I want to invite you into this space today. Pray about it. See if your heart isn't stirred. Whose mark is on your finances? Many years ago, we made a decision. I mean, I was a little kid, and you were raised in a Christian home, and we kind of just knew in Sunday school, they showed me a dollar, and then they showed me 10 dimes and said, you know, that's what makes a dollar. I go, uh-huh, uh-huh, that's my dollar. They gave it. I remember the Sunday school teacher gave me the dollar. And they gave me 10. She made a switch, and she goes, now here's 10 dimes. Like, I, I understood it was the same, Yeah. And then she goes, this one belongs to God. And I'm like, hey, hold on, hey, whoa, whoa, lady, hey, lady, hey, 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 hey. You just gave me that dollar. <laughs> yes, but this one belongs to God. What do you mean that belongs to God? And in my, you know, just, it was kind of like a church thing to do or maybe even a Christian thing to do. But we've learned that it's a supernatural, God-fearing, God-honoring. It's a life of adventure when we put God first and watch Him do the miracles over and over I don't want anybody to do it because you think you have to, because that's not, that's not New Testament understanding of grace or relationship. I want you to do this because you see it in scriptures today. Your heart is stirred, and you're going, I want to get mammon's mark off my money, and I want to enter into an agreement with God for promises and provision. Would you stand this morning? Thank you for your patience today. Thank you for allowing me to go a little bit longer to unpack that. Christina's going to pray, as she always does, for many needs that are here today, uh, and we're going to believe God for breakthrough. Yeah, we got a lot of prayer requests. Um, you know, this time of the year, it's it's tough on a lot of people. Yeah. But there are people facing mountains right now. And we just want to pray for them. And um, we're just going to, let's just 
begin to pray. Father, God, we're coming to you this morning, yes, God, and Lord. we're asking, God, for Jesus. your, just your love, Jesus, upon these people, God, for prayer, Father, for depression and anxiety, yeah, God. Depression and anxiety is trying to Shatter. just take people down, God, but we're coming against it this morning, yes, yeah. and we're saying, saying, we're putting you on watch. Yes. You have no, no hold over minds, and this depression, and this anxiety, and these sleepless nights, I just call it finished right now. Yes. That people will be just break free. The chains will yes. be broken. Come on, come on. Father, depression has nothing on you. Anxiety has nothing on you. God, you are the per- the one that gives us our sleep, God. And I just come against all these attacks on people's minds, God. For people um, that are facing family dynamics over the holidays. Oh, man, God. I just pray that you will just come into families, God, and there will be a peace where they won't know where it came from, God. There will be a love where they'll say, that's never been there before. There will be a grace where they think, what happened, God? But you can just give grace, God, peace, God, love. Father, we're praying for Caitlin's spine this morning, God, that you will just, you know, put it where it needs to be, God. You can align everything. Yeah. You can take care oh, of it. You can protect stop, it. Stop you can put a patch on it, God. You can yeah. do anything. Yeah, you, but God, Lord. we're calling for a yeah. full healing this full morning. Healing. For bronchitis, for Barb, for family and friends diagnosed with cancer. God, we come against come cancer. cancer bend your knee right now. God, people fighting cancer, God, yes, that you will just Jesus. touch them. Heal them. Let them feel a difference today, God. Yes, Lord. God, we're praying for Blake Gerard this morning, a young man that was burned in a chemical fire. God, good friends of ours. God, that he is in Toronto in a burn unit and I see you that they're saying he will be there for 40 days. God, we're saying four more days, God. You can just do a miracle. God, that they will say 40, but you can reduce it. And God, that there will be no long-term effects. That burns will not just leave the the, the, um, scars, God, but you can just heal Blake to full restoration for the whole Gerard family, for a mom, for Becky, God, that you will just you will just comfort her right yes, now. She's oh in Toronto by his side. God, just do a miracle for Blake yes. today. Yes, Lord. God, we're calling for a miracle. Thank you, Lord. For Angie Mondu Miller, who's in the hospital right now with pregnancy complications, God. Protect that little one. God, Jesus. just wrap that little one in your arms. Just protect that baby this morning. Jesus. For Valerie with head pain, God. For Shirley, who got a bad report from the doctor and they're saying cancer may be back. We come against cancer. We say there is just a miracle happening right now in bodies. It doesn't matter, God, how big, how small, how mediocre. It's all the same to you, God. Father, we're praying again for Caitlin Orr and continued healing, God, that you will continue to heal her in the place that she's at, God. Oh, Jesus, you love us all so much, God. For those that we didn't see all online, but God, you see them all, God, and you love us all. And Father, I just pray that your continued healing yes, will fall upon yes, this today. Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank Amen. you for entering into prayer. And we just appreciate you praying yeah. as well each week as we pray. We pray yep. together corporately for these needs. Yep, we're seeing we're seeing miracles. Amen. I mean God is God is doing stuff. He is so working amongst us. Well, our prayer team is coming down here for prayer. And, you know, they're all fully equipped to pray with you. They got their suits on, their suits armor. So come on down and get prayer if you're in the auditorium and believing for anything. Online, what can they do? This is your test question every week. (laughs) Uh, Online, they can text 84321. 
Oh, come on. That's forgiving. Oh, forgiving. What am I supposed to oh, for? I'm not. I'm forgiving you, but that oh. is forgiving. Oh, forgiving. Forgive. I get <laughs> it Come on. Yeah, if you have You've a prayer request. You've been doing this long enough. Text us uh, any way you can get that prayer request to us. We, yeah. we pray for these needs each and every week. Yeah, what's next week is our Christmas week. Yeah, it's going to be so great. We are stoked. Tonight, I hope you're tonight's stoked. Tonight's airing of the Christmas story. Oh, my word. We've already seen it. Yeah, it's awesome. It's, it's amazing. You cried through the whole thing. I did. I did cry. Yeah. I did cry. Yeah, it was, but it was very touching. Yes. You'll see all our grandkids. Man, they're stinking cute. Yeah, they are. So next week, we have 9, 15, and 6 p.m. services. Uh, there is still room for those. I believe the 11 o'clock is full. It's sold out. Yep. Plus, you can always catch the 9.15 online if you can't make it here. But you know what? Go on and register because we want to pack the building for all three services. Yeah, we do. I just think it's amazing. It'll be a so, gospel, uh, ma- an invitation for the gospel. Yeah. Bring your friends to hear about yeah, Jesus. That's a great opportunity. But make sure you go online and register. Small groups coming soon, so yep. stay tuned. Yeah. Um, Stay tuned to your emails and your social media because that's where we like to update. So um, make sure you're watching everything. Christmas is coming so quickly. It is is my most favorite time of year. But it's that time to say Say goodbye. Goodbye, Harvest. We love love you. you. And we'll see you back here next week. Next week. Three services.